worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Everybody wishes they could see into an alternate reality. But what if I told you there are some people who actually can? Then, today is the start of a new segment. A little segment I like to call 1988. We'll see how it goes. And then we travel to India to meet a man who on the surface seemed to love his family very much. But when he meets the ghost of his father, he realizes that demons are attacking the family and there's only one way that he can stop the madness. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. You know what? I didn't announce this in the, in the beginning, but let me say this now. I know I have a lot of listeners who are younger than me. I know I have a lot of listeners in the United States. Take this to the bank, guys. We are. This is not World War Three. We will not. This is not going to be. You're not going to get drafted. Quit panicking about World War Three. And let me tell you this: a lot of people online, I guess in life and generally, but a lot of people in entertainment, a lot of people online, don't like to talk about their age. I'm very upfront about it. Very upfront about my age. I do it for a particular reason. It gives me a little bit more weight when I talk about issues like this. I'm 43 years old. I have lived through so many worries about getting drafted once I was out of high school. Clinton, Bill Clinton was talking about putting troops in Kosovo. He's concerned about that. Obviously, we had ish my older brother had to worry about the first Gulf War. I was worried about the second Gulf War. I actually went to enlist, but I was too fat. But you have these things. People are going to freak out about them. We are not. We may go to war with Iran. Don't get me wrong, but I don't even think that's going to happen. Iran has a whole host of issues. Their economy's falling apart. They they're having protests. You think the Hong Kong protests are rough? We see those. There's protests going in Iran that's not even getting out. They constantly have to keep shutting off their internet to prevent the protests. The government's on its last leg. Now that may make them want to start a war to kind of divert attention from how crippled their government is. But the idea of a world war breaking out because Iran is is absolute nonsense. They have almost no allies. They might be able to count on Russia. But even then, Russia has bigger things to do. China wants nothing to do with them. China's putting all their money in Africa, building up that continent. So I know you, I know you guys just want to hear a ghost story. But just to let you guys know, don't freak out about getting drafted. Also, the U.S. are if you are getting drafted... There are troops landing on our soil. The U.S. military loves a volunteer. Army, you get the best of the best. When you're randomly drafting in hundreds of thousands of people, you may get some cool people who normally wouldn't join the army. But for the most part, modern armies do not use the draft. So don't worry about the draft. Spend this time not worrying is basically what I'm saying. Because I saw that trending. I saw World War III trending. And I was like, why? What? Oh, yeah, the Iran thing. Yeah, these kids think this is the end of the world. Don't worry about it. We may put troops over there. There may be a shooting war in Iraq. 
Maybe us in Saudi Arabia and Israel versus Iran. Maybe. Maybe that'll happen. But I don't even think that'll happen. But don't worry about it. You're not going to get drafted nothing like that. Let's go ahead, though, now that you're at peace, now that Big Papa Jason is giving you a little bit of peace, let's move on to our next real story. That wasn't even a story. There's this thing about that over the week, and I was like, all these young people out there are so afraid. I've been through a hundred of these things in my lifetime. I grew up thinking nukes were going to fall at any moment. I know that school shootings are a thing, and I know that you know people driving trucks through crowds of people are a thing, and those are both awful things. But I spent my entire childhood imagining nuclear annihilation at any moment, and it didn't happen. Or it might have in an alternate reality, and ooh, that's a good segue. So, I said... There are some people who can see in alternate realities, and I believe that. I believe actors, this is going to be weird. Actors who don't get cast in movies can actually see what their life would have been like if a different path had been taken. So let me let me preface this with this, and this is going to be really short. I'm a pop star, you're a pop star. I'm Britney Spears, you're Christina Aguilera. Our styles are different enough that if your career takes off and mine doesn't, you're not really going to go, oh, if only I had sang Hit Me Baby one more time It's different with musicians. Same thing with authors. If I'm writing gothic fantasy novels and you're Stephanie Meyer and you write uh, Twilight, it'd be hard for me to say, oh, that should have been me. I mean, you can say that, but the writing style is different, stories different, things like that. As an actor, you are basically a movable piece that's put into a puzzle. You already got the producers and the directors and the set designers and the script writers and all this stuff, the orchestra and everything. They just need you to do stick you in. Now, your interpretation of the character may be different than other people. That's why we have an audition process. But for the most part, you're a cog in a machine, more than any other art form. A painter paints. An actor does what somebody tells them to do and shuts up when they're supposed to shut up. You are the paintbrush, not the painter as an actor. And I'm an actor, I can say that. So, as an actor, because you're such a movable piece, you it's so weird. Think about this for a second. You can actually see into alternate realities. Doug Ray Scott was a young actor. He's still alive. He's still probably young. I don't know. But Doug Ray Scott is an actor as of recording this podcast. And back in 2000, 1999, he was given a choice. He was given a choice between two movies. He was given a choice between being in The Patriot with Mel Gibson, a big blockbuster film with one of the biggest stars of the time, or a independent, kind of independent film made by a director who'd made one or two movies beforehand with a pretty much no-name cast. Two big stars, but not super big stars, genre stars. A little movie called X-Men. So, you're going to play a character named Wolverine, some guy running around in tights with claws. You're going to have claws come out of your hand. Anna Paquin was going to be there. She had done some movie about geese or something like that. Patrick Stewart, you know, the guy from Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, the bald dude, he's in that. Ian McKellen, yeah, I don't know who he is. Apparently, some big British actor or something like that. It's just a bunch of nobodies. You can do that movie. You're going to run around in tights. It'll be like that movie with the black dude. I think it was Blade or something like that. Yeah, it made money, but... You know, you can do this movie called X-Man, or X-Men, whatever it is, or you can do this movie with Mel Gibson. Doug Ray Scott, obviously, chose to do X-Men, and he went on to become one of a big... Doug Ray Scott is an A-list actor. He's still making movies today. He did that musical, The The Greatest Showman. But in an alternate reality, he did. He can act... That's what's so weird. So he decides in our reality... 
in Earth 616, he goes to do the the movie I just said. <laughs> I don't remember The Patriot. I went and saw it in the theater. It's hilarious. So bad. Such a bad movie. Sorry, Mel. But then you get this little guy, no-name actor from Australia, and Hugh Jackman does it. A-list actor now. Sexiest man alive. Multiple times. And he's only been alive once, so that's quite the achievement. You can actually see that twist. That's so weird to me. Glenn Howardson, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Dennis. He was up for the role. He was one of the last four people during the audition process for Star-Lord and Guardians of the Galaxy against another guy coming off of a cult sitcom. Parks and Rec wasn't a huge hit. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Far superior sitcom, in my opinion. I don't mean to get political because I know I just lost a bunch of viewers by saying that. I do love Parks and Rec. But It's Always Sunny, I feel, is a better constructed sitcom. You can listen to my other podcast about that. He's up for it against someone basically at the same level of fame and talent. Chris Pratt's a good guy. And Chris Pratt gets it. So they're both starting off equal. And then Chris Pratt gets Star-Lord and goes on to do like Jurassic World. They're talking about him being like an Indiana Jones reboot, which I think would be a really good idea. He's doing the Kids' Choice Awards and all this stuff, and Glenn Howerton has to just be sitting there with his head in his hands going, what happened? What happened? My life could have been that. I could have been at the Kids' Choice Awards. I could have had a surfboard. That's so weird. I honestly think it would mess with your head, actually. If you're an actor and you lost to a big role like that and you saw someone's life and career change. Now, Glenn Howerton and Doug Ray Scott, they're not nobodies. I mean, you may not know who they are, but... They're still acting. They're still doing television shows. And I remember I was talking to Lana about this. And she says, some people aren't chasing the fame. Some people aren't trying to be successful. But maybe. But when you, your choice is, I'm now I'm doing SEAL Team 6 on CBS. Or I could be headlining these big, giant movies. And be a, a famous actor. I think most people are going to pick the famous actor. I think that would really mess with your head. I actually have a close friend of mine. I'm not going to say who it is, but really close friend of mine. She was she auditioned for this Honda ad, this nationwide Honda ad. And it wasn't just one ad. It was an advertising campaign. She would have made bank. You want to make money as an actor, you do ads because you get paid every single time that ad is shown. It would have changed her life. So you know where this story is going. It was down to her and another girl, and she didn't get it. She didn't get it. She has all sorts of theories in her head why she didn't get it, but the other girl got it, and then she ended up going on to do The Bachelorette. A not a life-changing thing to be the star of a ABC reality show, but it is would be life-changing, actually. So my friend can actually look and go, I could have been handing out roses on this chlamydia-filled reality show, but no, instead I'm friends with Jason, which I must say is much more fun. And you have a 0% chance of catching chlamydia from me because we don't sleep together. I am rife with sexually transmitted diseases. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story, I've talked about this before. I found a website that lists UFO sightings, UFO encounters by year. And I started off in the year 1988 because I recently did a story about uh, reptile aliens going into a girl's dorm at a college. And that's where I found that story. And I found a bunch of them. A lot of them are really short and there's really no extra information. But I think we're going to be doing an occasional new segment called 1988. Because there's a lot of weird stuff happening during 1988. And this is the first one. It's January 1988. It's Washington, D.C. It's 2 in the morning. These two women are driving down the road. 
apparently they're driving to a wedding they're listening to the wedding song as they're driving they're like oh i can't wait till they play this song it's my favorite song they're driving down the road it's 2 a.m they see in the middle of the road they see like a six car pile up now when i was a kid i thought when car when they'd say like a 20 car pile up i thought it was like an actual pile i can never figure out how cars got up that high and then someone goes no you idiot it just means like 20 cars rammed into each other but anyways that's what's going on. They're driving and they see, in the middle of this intersection, they see a six-car pileup. It's 2 a.m. There's no one in any of the vehicles. There's no medical personnel around, no fire engines, nothing. It's just a normal intersection. They're not in the middle of nowhere, but they haven't been to this side of the city before. So they're not out in BFE. They're in Washington, D.C. Six cars, completely empty, but they've all wrecked. They started to feel weird about it, and they just slowly drove away. But over time, these two women would be like, wasn't it weird that night when we were driving? Like, it stuck with them. It was such a weird experience to stumble across this. And There's no one in the car. There's just six cars wrecked, and it's just desolate street. One of the women eventually gets it in her head to get hypnotized, to have a regression therapy, figure out what happened. During hypnosis, which, again, take this with a grain of salt, because hypnosis, you you can either be completely accurate or the person could totally be making it up. One, the story could be made up to the hypnosis person. The hypnotist is the word I'm looking for. Could implant the story in the person, but we'll assume for the sake of entertainment value that this story is true. It definitely was true when it was reported in a UFO journal, and it's in the show notes below as well. This woman, she this is what is revealed during hypnosis. The car stopped in the middle of the street in Washington, D.C. Both her and her passenger are completely frozen. And some gray aliens are now standing in the middle of the street. She's just staring at them. They walk over to her, open the car door. It's the crib keeper's car. They pull out the driver, put her in some sort of bubble, and then lift her up into a ship floating over the city street. Up there, they begin doing medical examinations on her. And then they tell her, you're only going to remember one thing about this. You're only going to remember a six-car pileup. I think this story's creepy because, let's assume that it's true again. I think it's creepy because how mundane it is. Right? Like, how many times have you been walking down the street and you've seen something odd? Maybe not a six-car pileup. That's a, I don't know why six cars, I don't know why a pileup, I don't know why the aliens wanted them to remember anything. Maybe it's because they... Actually, this is interesting. Maybe the aliens have started to cue on the whole idea of lost time. Aliens abduct you for four hours and then drop you back down. Dude, I, this is blowing my mind now that I'm thinking about this. Aliens abduct you for four hours, right? And they drop you back down. And to you, five minutes have passed. And then you get home and people are like, dude, where were you? You're supposed to be home four hours ago. And you're like, ah. Maybe the aliens have figured out, wait a second. We beam them up, we work on them for four hours, then we implant, they saw them in black, and they're like, oh, dude, that's a good idea, we should learn to implant memories. We abduct them for an amount of time, and then we put a false memory into them, not just magically put them back on Earth, but make them, like, go to the circus for four hours. And that way, when they go, when they go home, they're like, where were you? Be like, I was at the circus, and they're like, dude, it's two in the morning. What circus is at two in the morning? And your answer would be the best damn circus ever. But... I wonder if they have 24-hour circuses. Don't go to one. Don't go to one. (laughs) Those are only in horror movies. When you go in the fairgrounds open at 3 a.m. 
I would be so dope, dude. I would totally go. I would go. You don't go. Only I can have fun. I'm like, wee, on the Ferris wheel all by myself. You're like, come on, let me go. I'm like, no, dude, it's too spooky. It's super spooky. I think there's a guy with a knife up here. You're like, no, I can totally see there's not a knife. I'm going around. I can't hear you. I'm on the Ferris wheel. You have to climb up it like that dude in the notebook. Anyways, that was okay. So the point is, now you're proposing to me. I'm like, oh, a hero. And then we outrun an evil clown. But the point is, that whole bizarre fantasy aside, the point is this, is that what if they've wised up? Now they know how to fight time loss by creating new memories in you. Actually, originally I thought it was creepy because there's a lot of times, like you're walking on the street or you're driving. Most humans drive. I walk everywhere. But you're 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 in motion down the street and something catches your eye and you kind of look and you see like a squirrel and he's looking kind of shady at you and you're like, oh, that's weird. What did I ever do to that squirrel? And he's like hiding his nuts. And then you would never think to get, you're like, hmm, that was odd. I Maybe I should visit a hypnotist. And it turns out that as you were driving down the street, you didn't actually see a squirrel looking suspicious. You saw like a gray alien like poking around the corner, just staring at you. And so something about it made you feel weird and off. And your mind or alien device made it seem like it was something more normal and something more mundane. So anyways, you have that idea that when you see something simply a little out of the ordinary, it could be something evil. But now I'm thinking it could also be that people could be getting abducted way more than we think. The aliens have wised up and figured out a way to basically make us not notice things are missing so you go to work you come home you're sitting in your living room and then you wake up the next morning and the aliens implant the memory of you watching the mandalorian and going that last step dude the last episode of mandalorian sucked it was so bad it's action-packed but it was bad so they maybe the show, everyone online seems to think it was the best episode ever. Maybe I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is the best episode ever. Oh, got abducted by aliens. They did all sorts of experiments on me, and then they go, oh, we got to implant those false memories. And someone goes, you know what would be hilarious? To make them think that episode was terrible. So now I live with the memory of a really bad episode of a show I enjoy. But you would never know. You would never know. You could be getting abducted. Every single night. What if dreams are what aliens put in your brain? (laughs) Okay, that's a little too far. That's a little too far. But let's dial it back. Let's dial it back. You could be getting abducted all the time when you were by yourself. And then you would never know because the aliens are putting false memories in. That's what this story kind of points to. It kind of points to two things. One, that they could have figured out a way to account for lost time. If if they were doing like a 30-minute procedure on these women... And it took him 30 minutes to kind of figure out, suss out what's going on with this car accident. That'd be totally fine. It was a quickie. But could also be, I also think it's creepy, the illusion of things. Because if you came across a six-car pileup, you're like, what? This doesn't make sense. How come there's no lights? In reality, gray aliens are creeping towards you. But you can't comprehend that sheer horror that awaits you. So either the aliens are inducing a, a image... Or your own brain is just shutting down and not letting you know what's going on. I honestly think when you're getting tortured to death, I have no experience in this. I've never been tortured to death. But I don't think you probably are even aware in the moment what's going on. Sure, sure, you're probably going to yell and bleed a lot and cry and stuff like that. 
But I bet you anything, your mind is doing something else. Don't put that theory to a test. Don't torture someone and go, where are you? Where are you? Don't do that. But I'm thinking that the human brain, when it's presented with so much horror, just can't comprehend it. So you could be getting tortured to death, and you may be screaming and crying, but in reality, you're kind of just sitting at a picnic, hanging out with, like, you know, cartoon characters or something like that. So who knows? But... This would actually be proof of that as well, that as these aliens are creeping towards you, you may be listening to this podcast right now and sitting in a very comfortable place. There could be something walking towards you that you can't see, and your mind is basically blanking it from reality until you feel those long gray fingers wrap around your throat. So sleep tight, kids. But yeah, the 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 idea that the horror level of things can be hidden in the mundane existence all around us, I think is more terrifying than just bright lights in the sky. Because bright lights in the sky, you can go, I don't know what that is, that might be an alien saucer. You may actually see a metallic alien saucer coming towards you. You may actually see the gray aliens get off the saucer and begin walking towards you. But as long as your mind can comprehend that, you can deal with it. You can figure out your fight or flight response. But if all of that is covered up, in a false reality, if that spaceship's coming towards you, you don't even see it. If that gray alien is walking towards your house right now, and you're not even aware, it can see you, but you can't see it. You just, something kind of catches your eye out there in the shadows, and you go, that's weird. I thought I saw something, but it's nothing. To me, that's far more terrifying. If you see the gray alien, you can figure out a fight plan. But for all we know... We've all been abducted multiple times. We just brush it off, those weird experiences, those little minutes that we lose here and there. Those times we see something off in the distance or up close that doesn't really make sense. And then we kind of look at it again and it goes, no, no, it's it's fine. It's nothing. It's nothing. All of those things could be just proof that we are all just experiments for our gray alien overlords. So when you see that bizarre thing out of the corner of your eye tonight, just ignore it. Don't look too close. Because if you understand the true madness that is right outside your field of vision, things are only going to be worse. Just let the aliens do what they want to do. They want to do. Just let it. No, don't do that. Just put, start punching. Just if you see anything out of the corner of your eye, I'm not giving up. Just throw a punch. Every time you see something weird, don't do that either. You're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. But if you heard an alien, that's totally cool. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. We're not doing the India story, by the way. Hey, guys, this is actually Jason from the future. So I just got done editing this episode. And it clocked in at like 22 minutes, which is like super, super short. I don't like them to go over, and I didn't have enough time to tell the Indian family story. That'll be coming up later in a different episode, not this one. But I didn't want to leave you guys with just 22 minutes either. I I felt that was too short. I thought that was too short. So I have another short little mystery for you, a short little creepy story. So we're leaving behind the alien pileup. The women are like, help us. Are you going to help? They're getting abducted. We're like, nah, nah, you guys got it handled. They're like, no, we don't. No, we don't. We're like, they'll be fine here screaming from the spaceship. Don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look through the portholes. You see just a hand, and it slowly gets dragged away. We're driving to the middle of nowhere, a.k.a. Luna County, New Mexico. The year is 1999, it's May 27th. And you got two power line workers 
walking through what I assume is a desert because it's in New Mexico. So we're going to put on our little hard hats and our little zip. We're going to zip up our overalls. We're walking with them. We're newbies. We're the new hires on the job. And they're explaining to us, listen, this job is really boring, but it pays well. We're going to walk. We just look at power lines. And then we check them off on a list. This power line is, is fine. And then we go to the next one. Now, I don't actually know what their job entailed. I just know that they checked power lines. It may be super technical. They may have climbed up them. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. What they don't know is this isn't actually our first day on the job. We actually brained two other dudes who were getting ready for work. We broke into their houses, knocked them out. We're putting on their uniforms. And we're just following them. And as we're walking, you see me like holding a wrench behind my back. You're like, Jason, no. No, we already have the uniforms. You don't have to do it again. You don't have to do it. Yeah, I look, are you sure? You're like, yeah, dude, dude, seriously, don't go. You're super nervous. You're sweating. It's not the sun in New Mexico that's making you sweat. You don't know if I'm going to... I need more uniforms. I need all the uniforms in the world. So anyways, we're walking with these guys. And we see a power line up ahead. And this power line, you can tell from a distance, the bottom half of it has been burned. So that's a bad sign. I mean, we're not professional power line inspectors. We're not even amateur power line inspectors. We're imposters. But even we know that, that's probably not a good thing. The thing that supplies electricity, you don't want it to have been on fire. The two power line workers don't seem super concerned about that. It probably happens every once in a while. What they're concerned about is the object leaning against the pole. Our boots are like walking on the dirt. Little lizard runs away, stops, looks at us, runs away a little more have my wrench and money to bash its head and hmm i could always disguise myself as a lizard like jason no don't what they're seeing against the power line is a slumped human body long dead authorities believe he'd been dead for six months leaning against this pole and leaning's a bit of a misnomer because what we do is we have a human body it's pretty much mummified by the elements the dry new mexican air is it new mexican or is it always just new mexico the at the the environment around new mexico that dry air mummified this guy's body they don't know who it is they don't know how old he is they don't know how he died or really when he died other than they can say about six months ago the report says one or both hands are missing And you figure that they should be pretty certain on that. There either is one hand missing or two hands missing, but one or both hands are missing. The reason why the body isn't just collapsed on the ground is because around the neck and around the pole is a chain that's padlocked together. So in the middle of the desert of New Mexico, far past the outskirts of civilization, there stood a telephone pole. And to that telephone pole, an anonymous person was chained to it and either left to die, burned alive, or murdered in some other way. And for six months, stood there undisturbed, the sun rising and setting on this man's body. It happened back in 1999. To this day, they have no idea who this was. Authorities will say... He could be a man named Rodney Jones, but nobody knows if that's even a real name. They haven't, 
they when they start asking people in town, they go, is anyone missing? And people go, well, there was a guy named Rodney Jones who used to be around here. But it wasn't really a local, somebody passing through. Like, Rodney Jones doesn't even seem like that's a real person. The authorities aren't then following the Jones families. They're not, like, calling up Aqua and say, we know that you know Dr. Jones, but do you know Rodney Jones? This isn't like they, they have no other leads. So it may be Rodney Jones. It may be some totally random person. They don't know how old they are. They, they, the age is age 30 to 50. And it's a man. That's all they know for sure. So Rodney Jones, I think, that maybe it was just a guess. A 21-year-old mystery. A man who will never be truly identified. A murder victim means a murderer. Who was the victim? How was he killed? Who did it? And why? Really, the most important question is, who did it? Because I can almost guarantee the person who did it is still out there. And if they're still out there, you have to wonder, how many other people did this happen to? But their bodies weren't stumbled across. Their bodies were lost out in the wilderness, decayed, devoured by scavengers, and spread across the desert of New Mexico. And the only sign of them may be a chain with a padlock wrapped around a power line somewhere. Something that if you stumbled across and looked at it, you might think it was odd, but you wouldn't think of it as an instrument of murder. And that also lies in the dust and the dirt, eventually rusting, breaking, falling to pieces and disappearing into the vast desert surrounding it. How many murders will never be solved? Because time simply destroyed all the evidence. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Yeah.